0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 podcast studio. Welcome to another Colts Blue Zone podcast here in the studio with Joe Hopkins. Mike Chappell joins us as well. Joe, 31 days until the Colts season opener. But hey, it's only two days until the preseason opener. We're going to be talking a little bit of uh, getting ready for the Buffalo Bills today
1: yeah you know obviously the regular season is the main course, but I'm an appetizer man myself. i I'm ready to get some uh, it's like the little preseasons, the finger foods of the. NFL dining experience so uh, I'm ready to taste whatever I can get
0: Joe in the top 1% of fans excited for the preseason here in the NFL there aren't that many but we do encourage you to watch them on Fox 59 if you're located in the central Indiana area when uh, the uh, the team kicks off I believe it's a four o'clock kickoff
2: That's on correct, Saturday yeah.
0: Colton Buffalo um, great show on tap we'll preview that opener uh, discuss the buzz around training camp uh, players starting or not starting or not playing rather in uh, in that opener and plenty of other things we begin with the news of, of the week and uh, really to me that's what Frank Reich had to say about Shaquille Leonard's status as uh, they move forward again ready for the year we have seen Leonard uh, Mike on the practice fields but not suited up he's just in his, uh, his regular clothes he's uh, I don't I wouldn't say running around but he's bouncing around very much in uh, in maniac fashion. Um and what Frank Reich said on Wednesday is the team is hopeful that Leonard's going to be ready for week 1 but it's no guarantee. So you look at just the language that's used and I understand Colts fans being pessimistic here because you see some of the same language that was used uh, with Andrew Luck, although there are certainly differences there. But but being burned in the past, you just fear being burned in the present. And, and that's what this, this Leonard situation could shape up to be. I wouldn't be surprised if this bleeds into the regular season because Frank Reich is doing nothing to say that it won't at this point of training camp.
2: Well, yeah, and everybody wants timelines. And even Leonard didn't give us a timeline when we talked to him when when camp opened. You know, he said, "You know, when I'm ready, I'll be out there." And I I'm I, I'm concerned until he practices. I mean, how are you not? This was not a back procedure. This was back surgery on two discs, and this is a guy who who lives and dies with athleticism. He he's on pup, and again, until he's out there, he's not out there. And to to watch him just sort of be the cheerleader for the defense and. All that is, is one thing, but to play at a high level is totally different. We have time. He has time. What's I, I'm with you. I think this bleeds into the regular season. I just do. And I think what's going to be the, the the case is they, for, for, for roster purposes, he'll somehow pass a physical on the cut to 53, and he'll, he'll be on a 53, and then he'll be week to week. If he stays on pup from camp, to the regular season he's going to miss at least four games so we'll have a much better indication uh when they start making the roster cut to 53 but until he's out there if you're not concerned you're not paying attention
0: yeah joe from from the off season when when leonard spoke to us at ota's and he was just describing last season at that point i think He raised some eyebrows just because of some of the words that he used there, saying that last year he kind of fell out of love with the game, that it was a serious – that it was a real mental struggle for him to get through last year, whether it was personal issues, his injury issues, uh, what have you. It it didn't sound like – it it didn't sound as much like the Laird that we've seen in the past who's – and and we see a little bit of of it, you know, in training camp where he is bouncing up and down the sidelines. As Mike said, he is the cheerleader for the defense – but it, it, I think at, at that point for me is when the, maybe some small red flags started to go up. Nothing that you would uh, really freak out about at that time. But again, kind of to my point about Colts fans that have experienced this before, so maybe they're, they're more ready, or we are even in the media, more ready to jump to the conclusion that, shoot, this could be a lot more serious than uh, than things anybody is trying to let on.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the NFL is such a mental grind already that for to have to deal with stuff off the field, to have to deal with an injury that really it lasted the entire year for him last year. Uh, I can totally see how he feels that way. And Darius Leonard is also someone who, you know, he he doesn't hide what he's feeling. He kind of wears his personality on his sleeve there and opens up about these things. And so uh, I can kind of understand that. I, I wouldn't be as worried about him, like like a surprise retirement or something like that, because he's also so passionate about the game. I think afterwards, you know, a few articles came out about that. And he kind of put to rest, at least in my mind, any concerns that he might not want to play football anymore. Um, But in terms of him being ready for the season, it sounds like it's pretty 50-50 up in the air right now if he's ready for week one. Um, Hopefully, it's not a situation where he gets placed on Pup and misses, like, four games. Hopefully, it's more of a one- or two-game type situation. But even if that's the case, the Colts, we've talked about it, are very deep at linebacker. And hopefully, obviously, there's no replacing Darius Leonard. Um, But I don't think all of a sudden the linebacker core is going to turn into this huge liability.
0: Yeah, Mike, I think that's one of the best things the Colts have going for them in the fact that, like, you play two linebackers for 70 or 80 percent of your defensive snaps. And you have, whether it's Leonard and Okereke, the two starters, but you also have guys behind them. EJ Speed has come on in the past. Joe's guy and really racked up some tackles in, in the games that he's been a full-time starter. And then, of course, you have my guy, Zaire Franklin as well, who's uh, played and uh, and just got a new contract this last offseason and has, has played well in his duty as as well. So linebacker really could be one of the deeper spots on the Colts roster right now, but he, he, there's, there, there's no fully replacing what the maniac can do, obviously, if he is uh, out there or not.
2: Yeah, we were talking today just – because that's what we do during camp when there's not a lot going on. And the way that this defense looks right now, and we'll, let's give Darius some motivation. I would list him about fourth on players I don't want to lose on defense. I mean, I'm, I'm putting in Ngakwe first, and maybe Gilmore, and then Buck in, in the middle, and then Leonard. And that's not to diminish Leonard at all. It's just to say the other guys are at, are, are at such playmaking positions. So, you know, what's good is they've got four or five playmakers on defense. But as you mentioned, the way they play and O'Karake's playing well and and, and your guys playing well, we, we'll we we'll see about EJ's speed. I think he's shown a lot. He's really stood out in camp. But if you give me the choice of losing Shaq or – in Gawkway or Stephen Gilmore, uh, I'm taking Shaq.
0: Gilmore has been spectacular in camp. He really has. He's been one of the one of the best performers. Has really, for for all intents and purposes, so far, put to bed any any concerns about his his age or his injury status for sure. So I I I'm on there with you, Mike. I I think that that was a very reasonable list of guys to to say are more important to the to this Colts defense. Uh, that, than Leonard might be but that, that's obviously something we'll continue to, to monitor over the coming weeks uh, two more weeks in Westfield at, at a Grand Park and then there's a couple weeks after that until the uh, the actual season begins when they wrap up official quote unquote training camp sort of or the public portion of training camp and head back to the facility for a week or two before the regular season uh, kicks off there. In early September, the Colts dropped their first official depth chart on Tuesday. A couple takeaways from that list as we peruse it up and down. Uh, Rookie Alec Pierce is a starting wide receiver alongside Michael Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell. So those are your top three Um, on defense. Rookie Nick Cross is listed as the starting safety over Rodney McLeod. And Cross uh, and McLeod did, it, at least early in the camp, do a little bit more back and forth as to who was uh, there with the first team. I think Cross has been there this week uh, for both the days that I've seen on uh, Wednesday and Thursday he's been with the starting unit. Um, Brandon Faison is listed as the starting cornerback over Isaiah Rogers, and we've seen that consistently since the beginning of camp. And it has been Faison running with that first team, uh, and Rogers running with the second team. At kicker, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship is listed as the starter over Jake Verity. Uh tight end, Mo Alley Cox and Kylan Granson are your starting tight ends. Um notable in terms of backups on this list. Rookie offensive tackle Bernard Ryman is right behind Matt Pryor, backing up uh him at left tackle. Uh Ben Banagu is listed as the second string Leo behind Yannick Ngakwe, and he's listed ahead there of Dio Dangbo, which is I think significant. And uh, linebackers Jojo Doman and Forrest Ryan are listed ahead of my other guy, Sterling Weatherford, there uh, at the linebacker position. So those are just a couple a couple takeaways there from, from the depth chart. Joe, from, from all those uh, things right there, what kind of stood out to you as something that was uh, noteworthy from this first uh, all-important depth chart that was uh, released on Tuesday of this first preseason game week?
1: To me, the thing that stands out the most is their confidence in Alec Pierce to go ahead and list him as a starting wide receiver. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if they listed Doolin and was kind of took a rookie has to earn it approach. The reports I've seen about Pierce is that he's been very good and is actually getting better, kind of coming along as camp goes along. Um, So that's great to see out of you know your top draft pick from this April. The other guys, Cross, I was very confident that he'd win the starting. Uh, role as kind of that box safety over the smaller McLeod face on we kind of talked about more familiar with the scheme bigger cornerback who kind of fits that press um, that Gus Bradley wants to run so it's not surprising to see him over Rogers. but I kind of expect even if he is a starter they would kind of rotate a little bit and maybe just match up dependent if they're playing man and they're facing someone with blazing speed maybe Rodgers um, tries to tie him up but um, I guess the only other thing is Ben Banagoo. It would be very, very encouraging to see him actually earn some kind of role with this team and do do something. It would be encouraging to see him do something, literally anything, is more than what we've gotten out of him. So that'd be great.
0: Chap, I, I'm very, obviously very sarcastic when I say all-important depth chart before the first preseason game. But uh, anything in, in that uh, list kind of stand out to you as noteworthy before we're about to kick off here?
2: Yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. I, I I don't put much stock in these. I just don't think you have to do it. Uh the one the one thing that we were talking about today and it doesn't really show up on the depth chart is the third and fourth tight end between the rookies uh Ogletree and, and Jelani Woods. Uh it's Ogletree and then Jelani Woods. The, he the the what sixth round pick is, has jumped Woods. He has he looks good. Uh and you know, I, I I want to see how this Ben you thing plays out. I, I'm not on board. I think the, the top four ends are Quidi Lewis, Taekwondo Lewis, who's, who's really looked good coming back from that awful injury, and, and, and then Ngakwe, and then I think Dio is, is your fourth guy. I just do. Uh, but we'll see. I, I was watching the the, the the backup offensive line today, which it's, it's one of those, you hope we never have to use them, but, but you will. I, I'm concerned that Dennis Kelly's not practiced for probably a week. I mean, he he was the guy you were hoping was your swing tackle. You really were, and you can't be a swing tackle if you don't you you know if you're hurt. So we'll. I, I don't put a lot of stock in these. We'll see if they change after a preseason. This is one where I think they they throw this in front of a coach, and for the most part, a lot of these are are, are already listed. Then he just sort of jots down names. But like you mentioned, Brandon Fashon ahead of Isaiah Rodgers, that's a little bit of a surprise, I guess. I guess. But they're all going to play a lot. And Rodgers is a playmaker. He's just a playmaker. When you watch he and and the Julian Blackmans, they they just – and again, I'll I'll bring it up again. Watching Julian Blackman, it's unbelievable. The the, the way he's playing, the range, the way he covers territory – and oh, by the way, he blew out his Achilles last October. It's incredible. But t- 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 if you want to make a big deal of the, of the depth chart, knock yourself out. Uh, I just kind of watch practice and go that way. But th- these serve a purpose, so you know, enjoy it or criticize it, however you feel.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the third tight end, and something that we could we could have talked about a little bit later when we're into trading camp buzz. But now that it's here, kind of in front of us, I think it's no, it's noteworthy to mention. That that Joe, there's no doubt about it. That Alec Ogletree has taken over the lion's share of reps from Jelani Woods with the first team unit. He's he's the first one there, if they're doing if 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 it's either one or two of them, you know, uh, one of the two of them rather with the first team. Like we see him out there with the ones frequently, just with different formations that they're using, whether it's. Woods, uh, it's usually Moe and Ogletree or Moe and Granson, of course, uh, who who are out there. But uh, a sixth-round pick who went to Finley and then Youngstown State, I think that he he's come, a, come along so much faster than you could have dreamed for when he was drafted at the time, knowing that I, I think the Colts liked him a lot. If you found more than maybe the person who scouted him and said that he could have had an impact like he has had in training camp or had could have wowed as much in training camp, if you found someone in the building like that, I think that would have been surprising because what he has done has been has been pretty impressive, especially given the fact that he's had to supplant a third-round pick to do it himself.
1: Yeah, in which obviously you want to see Jelani step up as well. But the, uh, I'm elated to hear that uh, Ogletree is playing as well as he is because it gives Jelani more time. If you get two good tight ends out of this draft, even better. Um, but I just think—I mean, the one-handed catch that the Colts posted on Twitter was a thing of beauty. Um, and so, if this this is a guy who I believe was a former wide receiver and has kind of put on weight um, over his college career. So, if they're basically getting some someone with wide receiver skills in a tight end's body, uh, that's exactly what they hope for when they spent a kind of a sixth round flyer
0: on him. Really eager to see his role. To me very much like how I have viewed this entire offseason Alec Pierce. Like if you give him a specific role, let him thrive in it. And I think Ogletree can do exactly that. You don't want him to be your number 1 tight end right now, but but if you if he can come in and, and like I said play a specific role in specific packages with a specific route tree, that is not an entire a grasp of the entire offense, but it's a gra- limited grasp of the offense. I think he can really succeed because of his athletic ability and those things that he has flashed so far. So very eager to see what he is able to do uh, this weekend in, in Buffalo and even beyond that. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It meet your Hancock Health doctor, can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan, and it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front Mayo Clinic. So the Colts have finished their practice before taking off for Buffalo. Uh, the, uh, the hay is in the barn as they speak. So tomorrow you'll load up on a plane get ready for that first road trip of the year, take a flight to uh, central New York, uh, right across the river from Canada, and you enjoy yourself some time away from it all, and then go ahead and kick off Saturday afternoon. Um, Chap, I think from what we have seen of the training camp so far, the defense has gotten the better of the offense for the most part. Now I don't want to say it's a completely one-sided show because obviously the offense makes its place here and there, and as Joe mentioned, you see those posted on Twitter frequently from uh, from what happens well out there for the offense. But like you and me who've been out there at a good portion of these practices, you at all of them, I believe, me at almost all of them, then you can tell that the defense has gotten the better of the offense more often than not. And that could be something that's just an early camp thing, but I think that you and me are on the same page, I would think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, saying that this Colts defense has been pretty darn impressive, and we think that it's probably going to be, based on the quality of the players that are there, one of the better ones in the league this season. If they can take that step forward from from what they were last year, and everything in training camp so far has indicated that they have the playmakers and uh, they have the uh, the ability to do so.
2: There's probably more expectations, optimistic expectations, about this defense than – I can remember in several, several years for what for a lot of reasons we've talked about. They've got a proven pass rusher, they've got a proven corner, they've got a an, another all you know Pro Bowl nickel corner and in Buck in in Leonard. So yeah. And the defense has gotten the better of it since pads went on. Maybe that's to be expected, I don't know. But the offense still has had their moments and maybe that's the way that's sort of the way games go, I think where the offense has fits and starts and all this and the defense maybe is more level. I don't know. But I like the offense. I really like the defense. I, I really like this defense. The DBs are getting their hands on a lot of balls. Again, we're getting we're seeing a lot from Blackman. We're Gilmore's really Gilmore's making these re- receivers better by making it tough to play in drills. So in in Ngakwe's in making Pryor better because Pryor's not seen a player at this level, consistently. Deforest Buckner's blowing up the middle a lot. Of, I'm sure Ryan Kelly, and the guards, are just flat tired of blocking Buck and Grover Stewart. I bet they are. So I I like it, but but again, I think I think the defense has its moments. And it, what's been so kind of fun to watch is they they posted a couple of things of Kylan Granson. He started off playing not very well in camp. Just just had some uneven moments. In the last couple of days, they've sort of force-fed him more activity, and he's come up with some good catches. So I like it. And the one thing that we've talked about, and, and since we're talking maybe training camp buzz as well, I watch Paris Campbell, and I'm telling you, I just think about what he can be, what this offense can be, with Paris Campbell playing 60% of the snaps in 15 16 games he just looks good he and Ryan are hitting it off in on these on these crossing routes and i start thinking boy what if and then i default to the fact he's played 15 games in 3 year, 15 games in 3 years so they so much depends on Paris Campbell because without him there's not, well, we can go to this. No, he, he's that unique player you've got on offense. So you kind of cross your fingers, and they've got talent just about everywhere. And then, you know, if they have an injury here, an injury there, things change. But that's how it is just about everywhere. Every team has strengths. And, boy, if you, if you lose this guy, what are you going to do? I like the way this team's built, and I, I'm semi-optimistic, really on the defense, and pretty much on the offense. Uh,
0: about the offense, and, uh, since Mike directed it there, Joe, um, with Paris Campbell in particular, we've talked this entire offseason about the quote-unquote need to bring in a, a veteran-wide receiver, and Chris Ballard obviously did not think it was much of a need as the rest of us. And if if Paris Campbell can be a contributor, then, then that certainly would— diminish the need for for anyone else, obviously, because as Mike said, he's the guy that's kind of an X factor. And and the really the two guys that Mike mentioned, uh Kylan granson can be a, a matchup X factor at tight end too. So those those two guys could would probably in my mind be be the one and two of um of the guys that can really take our offseason narrative of they need a, they need another pass catch, they need another wide receiver. And shove it back in our face if they both take, in Granson's case, take a good step forward in his development. And in Campbell's case, well, oh heck, just stay healthy and start from there.
1: Yeah, well, because Campbell's uh, inability to stay on the field is the reason that need was there in the first place. I mean, second-round pick, all the talent in the world. Um, and when he's on the field, he's shown it, but he just hasn't been able to stay healthy I really think if Campbell stays healthy, a 1,000-yard season is is coming for him. I, I think it's right there. I think his quick game works with what um, uh, Matt Ryan wants to do. And there's not, a, other than Pittman, there's not a lot of other target competition on this team. Uh, I like Granson in the fact that, you know, we kind of talked about specific role for Drew Ogletree. No one has a more specific role in the tight end group than Kylan Grant, and I think they can really get him on some mismatches um, against some of the slower linebackers and get him open in run-after-catch situations. I, I think this offense can be good. I mean, it's it's a top-10 unit basically every year, top-10 or 11 towards the end of, you know, 9, 10, 11 is where they're usually ranked. I think they can be there again this year, but I think we could have a top-five defense um, if everyone stays healthy and it plays out the way that we're seeing in training camp, and I mean top ten offense, top five defense, sounds like a good formula to me.
2: Well, yeah, chap. Yeah, it, it's funny when I was, I, I, I keep banging the drum as several of us have about the receivers, and bringing a guy and T.Y.'s still not here, and I, I now I'm back on the idea that if T Y were going to be here, he would be here. I, I just, it, I looked at the, the some of the top free agent receivers, okay. And I'm not listing Odell Beckham because he'll be ready like in November, which helps him not a bit. So we're talking Will Fuller, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Alan Hearns, John Ross, Deshaun Jackson, Adam Humphreys, D.D. Westbrook, Travis Benjamin. So when you wait this – yes, they could trade for a guy. That, that could happen. But when you wait this long and then you wake up next Tuesday and you say, boy, you know, we need another receiver. Well, they're gone. The, the, the pool's really dried up. So it almost seems like barring a trade, barring a trade, that they're sort of all in with this group. And if T.Y. is still in the mix and you're waiting for somebody to get hurt, say somebody, say Pittman, heaven forbid, or, or Parrish go down, all of a sudden T.Y.'s leverage goes up. So I I, I th- it makes me nervous. It it just and it's made me nervous all off season. You the problem is like I I I just default back to is when you wait this long and you decide you need something that something might not be good enough to really what to 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 take care of what you need.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I think everything that has happened that has transpired uh has backed up what Chris Bauer has said or even Frank Reich has said throughout the off season that We like these guys. We want to stick with these guys. And really, for for something to change, then something has to change within the group. And and that really hasn't happened in training camp. I don't think that any of the guys, Pittman, Campbell, Pierce, Doolin, none, none of them have taken a significant regression or step back. None of them have just not been able to catch the ball, especially Pittman at the top. I mean, he's looked fine if If there was any indication that he was struggling in camp, then maybe you really take take a go out and take a swing at somebody, but but that hasn't happened. Um, they're right now backing up what uh, what Frank Reich and what Chris Bowd have said throughout the off season. But of course, that's also going against your own guys. It's in very controlled environments. we'll um, We'll see exactly how much Pittman plays here here in the preseason because, um, Very we'll, little, I hope. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, he's he's maybe one of those that that might not be considered to to play all that much. I think
1: and a name we haven't really mentioned yet here in this conversation is Naheem Hines. You know, I've heard he's been much more involved as a receiver this training camp than really what he showed um, last season during the twenty twenty one season. Obviously, he showed it in the past. But what are you guys' thoughts? You've been out there. How has how have they really integrated Naheem Hines uh, this training camp differently than what they've done in the past?
0: Yeah, there's a there's a good good difference I think between last year or the year before even that and, and this year they've really tried to work him with the wide receivers more when he's out there in individual drills first of all, um, and we see a lot more of both him and Taylor on the field at the same time. Good. You know they've uh, what what the Colts do um, a lot in like just for an example today. Uh, i I want to do this without without giving away too many specifics, obviously, because they would be upset with me, I'm sure. but um but like today they worked a lot in their eleven on eleven session of stacks and bunches was was kind of what they were specifically working on today. So they put these eleven on eleven sessions together where you're doing similar formations or at least similar personnel groups and working them a lot together. so i don't I didn't see quite as much of it today specifically. But there have been others in the past where, like, we're working on short yardage today, or we're working on first down today, uh, where we've seen more of Taylor and Hines together. Um, and so when you have both of them on the field together, obviously, um, you're, you're going to see... You're going to see them used in, in different ways. Like Naheem's going to split out, and then if they want him to run, he'll, he'll go in motion, you know, and they'll either pitch to him or he'll join them in the backfield. Like, and I don't think that's giving away too much. People will realize that immediately when it's happening. So, um, so when, when um, so that's, I guess that's, that's my convoluted way of answering your question is that I, I think that uh, you'll see them both on the field a little bit more. So that just gives Naheem a couple more snaps. Um, I, I still think Taylor will get, obviously, the the big, big share of, of the uh, of the handoffs and the carries back there. But, uh, Chap, I think we'll see probably some more snaps for Naheem overall this year when we just look at his snap count at the end of the season.
2: Yeah, I did a story on him a couple of days ago, and, and we've talked about this. He, he's due for the big year because he's been every, every other year, you know, as a rookie. With, and, and, again, it's with that, with court, as the quarterbacks have differed, Had his best season, I think it was, as a rookie with Andrew Luck. No surprise. Tailed off with a brissette. Comes back with another strong year with Phillip Rivers, who loves to throw to running backs, and then not so much with Wentz. And Hines has had 63 catches twice. That's his career high. And I talked to him. I said, there's been talk. You know, I had one person in the organization say, I think, 70. And I had someone tell me 80. They thought he'd get 80 catches. Only only two Colts running backs have had 80 catches, and it's Marshall Falk and Joe Washington. So it's 86 is, is the team record for a running back. I don't think he goes there. I think that's a bridge too far. But is 80 too much? I don't know. I don't know. I just know that we're, we're going to see – and I don't want to call them just dump-offs because these are not going to be, oh, there's no one else to throw it to, so let's dump it off to Naheem. They, they've had him in specific routes. So it's really interesting to see, and I, I, I just again we talked about how what what uh, Paris Campbell can do. Nahim Hines is such a, uh, a a weapon, and he he does. Somebody mentioned to me when I, uh, on a comment on the story is, he says think Darren Sproles, which we've mentioned in the past, and you don't want to you know lay too much on a guy, but that's kind of what he does, and he you know he's really good getting the ball. In space and making a guy miss. So it, it's really interesting how they're going to do it. The, the issue I have, and they go back to the receivers, is they say, well, you know, we have Pittman and you know, we hope Campbell stays healthy and Pierce and, you know, Doolin. And they say, oh, by the way, we also have Naheem Hines. Well, but, but he he is a running back. So let, let's not say that we're bolstering our, our wide receiver core because we've got Naheem Hines. I would rather have four really good receivers. And, oh, by the way, I have Naheem, as opposed to I've got two or three and I've got Naheem. So I I, I just don't buy into totally what they're doing. But it, like like Frank Reich told us during the offseason, if I were a fantasy owner, I'd be drafting Naheem Hines. I, I, I agree with him.
0: Before we move on to our uh, kind of preseason preview there, I'll, I'll mention just one more player, and that is Ashton Doolin, um, who, who's had a pretty good training camp. Um, my number one breakout player, of course, which is, which is why I have to bring him up and have to talk him up right here at, the, at this point of the podcast. But, uh, but Nick Foles uh, stood in front of the mic chap yesterday and was talking about Doolin and saying like it seemed like he didn't want to say anything because he didn't want to let the secret out of the bag. That, that's kind of how it, uh, how it came across to me. Uh, a, a veteran QB like Foles has developed a good rapport with him because we've seen in a lot with the second team. Since he's kind of the fourth receiver, he's getting his play mostly there and only working from time to time with the first team. Um, but he, he's he been a field stretcher, uh, a guy that they can hit down the field. I think if you're looking for downfield playmakers in this training camp, Mike, Doolin has been the target, or at least the target of positive results, completions down there, more often than anybody else has.
2: And that's what you want. You've got to have, to, to expect him to jump up and be your number two receiver is, is just unrealistic. But to be that, Zach Paschal-type guy who gives you 40 catches, I mean, 40 reliable catches. And, and I think that's really what he what he can do and needs to do. And one guy we haven't mentioned, which is really unfortunate for him, is Mike Strong. This is a guy they thought was going to be in the mix, and he's not been on the field. He had knee surgery, a knee procedure, they said. So that's easy for them to say. And he's still on PUP. And every day he misses is a day that he can't get back, and you just have to wonder if year two is going to be a a, a wait, nah, wasted season, a season where that just goes by and passes him by. He showed stuff last year. He was sort of like had the good off season and camp. He's like, hey, this guy's got a chance. And then the game was sort of maybe too big for him. He wasn't quite ready for it. But I, again, like with Doolin, he makes plays. He makes those splice plays, and you need a guy to do that as long as he doesn't have to also be the guy to get you 50 catches. But there, there will be a rule, I'll tell you, Frank gushes about Ashton Doolin. He just does, and I hope they're right.
0: And when you when when, when you look at uh, Strawn, and since you brought him up, like his his scenario is just it's a strange one in some instances with what the Colts are allowed to do with him, Joe, because. Like, being an injured player right now, when it comes to what you can do with him on your roster, like, you, you, there's a part of, like, if you want to keep him somewhat or kind of protect him or put him on pup, like, you have to keep him on your 53. And so you have to end, end training camp with him there, and then you wave him, and then you hope that nobody scoops him up there and then you can add him back or injured reserve and then you can add him and put him on IR at that point you can kind of wave him with an IR designation i think is is technically what it is but yeah it's like chap it's it's a weird it's a weird scenario they're going to have with him they're going to have to uh, Chris is going to have to play a little bit of uh, roster uh, roster ballet to keep him
2: well in, unless i'm unless i'm mistaken and i don't we talked about this in the press room the other day about Shaq they're both on PUP they're both on PUP so so Again, I said, well, maybe you just leave Shaq on Pup and then he misses four games. No, they said, no, you can pass a physical and put him on the 53. But if you're on Pup now and you start camp on Pup, you just stay on Pup going into the season. And if, if somebody has better information, they can they can text us. But I'm pretty sure that you, if you're on Pup, you stay on Pup into the season, and then you're then you can come back after four games. It's not like Pup. It's not like IR. You're not on IR. Okay. So I believe then you can be activated after four weeks. There's that 21-day window. So I fully expect Strawn to be on PUP as the season opens. Okay.
0: I, I was Then I was mistaken. It could completely ignore me. As, uh... Well,
2: no, I, I'm just saying that that's – again, and they make changes. Uh, but I do think if, if you open camp on PUP, then all they have to do is leave you on PUP going into the season to where you don't count against the 53 – and that's why you probably don't want to do that with Shaq, because if you're on Pup, you miss at least four games. And if they don't think he's that, but there's no indication that they think Strong's going to be ready for the season. So maybe maybe I'll, I'll, I'll triple check the, that's the, the, the rules, but I'm pretty sure that those of us in the media room got it, came to a consensus that a guy on Pup stays on Pup if that's what you want to do and then you can take him off after four games if that's what you wish.
0: What would you call a great health system just a few minutes down the road from Indianapolis, where you can see some of the area's top doctors and healthcare teams in great facilities, including one of the safest hospitals in America, and maybe even save a buck or two on your healthcare. We call it Hancock Health. So if you're looking for smart, safer, affordable care, head east to Hancock Health where we're making health possible for the people of East Central Indiana and beyond. The Colts preseason opener is in Buffalo Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern time. You can watch it in Central Indiana on Fox 59. When it comes to that preseason opener or preseason football in general, the diehards will watch it. They want to see the the end of that roster, and we're certainly glad that you do watch Fox 59. Um, But you also, everyone wants to see the starters wants to see that first unit, especially if there are a bunch of changes and you're excited for the new season and there are you're, there's a, like some anticipation and that's the case certainly. Excuse me for the Colts this year, as you have a new quarterback on offense, you have a slew of new players, impact players on defense on the other side of the ball. So uh, you want to know exactly how much these players are going to play. Now Frank Reich had said. Uh, previously that the starters will play a little bit more in the preseason than than previous years, but that's pretty generic. And then he was kind of pressed a little bit on it on Wednesday of this week, and he said his plan is for Matt Ryan specifically to play uh, about a quarter in this first game. So he wants the starting quarterback, Matt Ryan, to play about a quarter. And what that tells me specifically, Chap, is if you have Matt Ryan out there, you're going to want – as many first team players on offense playing as possible to give him the best chance of success, especially when we're talking about that offensive line and Quentin Nelson made it very clear today, Thursday that, that he's going to play as well.
2: well. it was funny. Kevin Bowen asked him, uh, what was it? Do you want to play in the preseason? He said, what, what type of question is that? <laughs> and, and if looks, if looks could kill Kevin would have died on the spot. That's a Quentin Nelson but, specialty. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, Offensive line plays as long as Matt Ryan does, or vice versa. However, you want to put it, and I, you know, I, I, we were talking again before camp. We we tend to do that a lot about about numbers of guys that won't play, and I will play more in the preseason than Jonathan Taylor will. I'm telling you, he's not going to step on the field. He'll go through pregame warmups, and then they'll take his helmet away. Uh. I'm not sure how much I would put Ryan out there. I he didn't play last preseason. This is different, new team. But I don't play Michael Pittman. I don't play Stefan Gilmore. I'm talking preseason. I'm not, I'm not talking Buffalo. I don't play Yannick Ngakwe. I don't play DeForest Buckner. Uh Kenny Moore, a little Julian Blackman a little. I just I just don't I understand. there And there's that balance. There's a balance of how much is enough. And Frank's already told us that, that starters will not play week. The second game against Detroit because of the two scrimmages or not scrimmages, but joint practices that week. And then they'll play maybe, you know, gosh, a half in that third game. But I just, I just, I I'm in that school that, that, I want this team healthy on September 11th. I, I just do, and, and I know they're they're trying to fight that balance of well, you know, where we've had really two really bad starts to the season with Frank, and we've had what? When's the last regular season opener they won? 2013. I mean, you know, and the way this team's built, you have to do something this year, and the schedule is conducive to, to getting off to a good start if you play well but i'm telling you there's a handful of guys if they and, and i this is the pessimistic view I, I look at i look at guys that if they get hurt how does it impact your team well if taylor gets hurt the to, the total offensive blueprint is shot it just is and if Ngakwe gets hurt he's your pass rusher if gilmore gets hurt he he's your he's your cover guy and you know and, and buck is such a, a threat inside so I don't know. They're going to play some. There's five or six guys that that you know. Again, and if Pittman gets hurt, you, 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 a receiver room that's already in question is shot. So I, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of put these guys in bubble wrap until. Uh, until September 11th, because you want to be healthy going into the season. I don't know.
0: Joe, how, what, what, give me a list of guys that you are excited to not see play in the preseason, and then a list of guys you are excited to see play in the preseason, because those are certainly different lists, and it happens with every team at this time of year.
1: Yeah, the guy that's far and away You know, I don't want him anywhere near the field as Jonathan Taylor. He doesn't need it. He's a stud. He knows what he's doing with the ball in his hands. It's not like he's figuring out a new blocking scheme or anything like that. There's zero reason whatsoever to have Jonathan Taylor on the field. I am a little excited to see Matt Ryan. A whole quarter makes me slightly nervous. Um, When Mike was talking about having these guys play an entire half, I got to say I don't love that. Um, But I do think Matt Ryan needs to get – more reps and more practice throwing to these new wide receivers in this new offense for him. So I can understand him playing a little bit. I agree with Pittman. If Ryan's out there a whole quarter, I hope Pittman's only out there with them for maybe two series. And then they really just try and work on, you know, getting the ball to the other guys. I'm, and I kind of agree with most of the guys Mike already talked about on the defense. Um, maybe Buckner it'd be great to see him get a little bit of work with the new defensive scheme but I'm sure he'll figure it out he's a veteran he's a stud it can't be too complex from that defensive tackle spot um, compared to some of the other positions Um, I'm excited to see Alec Pierce I really am Uh, I've the hype is kind of building on him he's put it you you know it's you don't want to see a training camp highlight and assume that's what he's doing on every single rep. But he had the very nice play against Gilmore in the end zone where he kind of turns around and uses his body to shield him and come down with the football. Um, Alec Pierce has all the physical tools you could ask for with size, speed, leaping ability. Um, I would just love to see him do something on the field. I would like to see Naheem Hines in this role and maybe they get him a couple of the um, schemed-up routes that Mike was kind of talking about. And then really just all the rookies, Ogletree. Of course, yeah. Um, I would like to see Nick Cross, obviously. Uh, uh, I want to see my boy Quiddy Pay get into the backfield. Of course. Um, but really all the young guys, the rookies, and then Matt Ryan, then the passing game is what I'll be focused on.
0: You briefly mentioned Nick Cross, and he, he's honestly near the top of my list for guys that I'm eager to see. And Maybe that's because like everyone who's listened to this podcast knows I love safeties, and Your I safety love safety. Guy. I know, I, I am. I grew up watching Brian Dawkins in Philadelphia. I love good safety play. But there, there's something that's different about a preseason game, obviously, than even training camp 11-on-11, 11 11, and that is full contact. That is full go. And that is a guy going for a big hit, and Nick Cross is, by all accounts, a guy that can do that, and that will play in the box, that will stick his nose in where the offense thinks it doesn't belong, and he will mess things up. And so I'm I'm eager to see what he can do in, in that vein. Like I think you're going to see both him and Rodney McLeod a good deal, even though McLeod's a veteran. You're going to see him out there, because he's learning a new scheme here uh, as well in the defense. But
1: in potentially two positions. The the, the free yes. safety position yes. as well. I assume he'll be Blackman's primary backup as well.
0: I would assume that he is the number one backup for, for either spot, yes. So and so I'm really eager to see Cross in particular. I think he's a guy that's not not one of the obvious choices, you know, that uh that you would want to see that uh, that I want to see.
1: And I think he could he's set up to look really good in the preseason where the offenses aren't doing the most complex things yep. um as a rookie who's still learning the game because he's got the speed and the big hit ability. So I would not be surprised if you see him streaking down the field and deliver a big hit on a guy when it's he's facing more simplistic offense and doesn't have to really uh, use that experience or that you know uh, mind as much. He can just kind of react and go.
0: Mike, you touched on this, but if there is any data, anything at all that indicates a little bit more preseason time for the starters could lead them to be better in week one, the Colts have got to go down that road just because of how poorly they have started the season in recent years. I mean, just last year, they were 1-4. In their playoff season with Frank Reich, this is his first year in 2018, they were 1-5. They have not won a, pre- a season opener since 2013 against uh, the then Oakland Raiders way back then. They've lost uh, everyone from good teams to the 1-15 Jacksonville Jaguars a couple years ago. Where it was the only win that that team got. The entire season, that was down in Jacksonville. I remember because I was there. It was less than fun for many parties involved. So, like I said.
1: You're not going to Houston, are you?
0: I'm not going to Houston, All but right. I am going to Jacksonville <laughs> week two. I am going there. But, so, so, Chap, like I said, if there is any data that can indicate that they are better off for preseason play, you've got to take it because what this franchise has been doing has not been working to get completely ready for that first game of the
2: season. Don't they, isn't the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing and expect different results and, and, and they've done they they've altered training camp to the with the idea of, of let's do something different and let's kind of see if this kind of gives us a jolt the noon practices you know it's to replicate a one o'clock kickoff and all of it. everything they've done is, is is to let's do it different and see if we can get a different result and I I understand it I, I understand that. And that's why maybe they play some of these guys a little bit more. And the fact that, you you know, and on top of that, you've got a new quarterback, you've got a rookie receiver, and you've changed your defense, greatly changed your defense with scheme and pass rusher and corner. I understand that. And that's why it's a fine balance. And it's going to, and we'll see in, in, in November if it worked. And we'll see if they play guys more and somebody gets hurt and they're going to say, see, why'd you have him out there? Well you know you just have to kind of see what you do and I was asking Jonathan Taylor does he need to play and he wants to play because he's a he's a football player and i I always thought back to Edron James's years that I would like to see my running back get hit once to where the first big hits not it not it in in the season opener. but then you think about it, let's say they let's just say they they go crazy and they they don't play jt this week or next week, they play him in the third game and he gets two carries and somebody gets him a pretty good hit. Okay, and then he gets up and it's over. They don't play for two weeks. So how much did that one hit carry over to the opener? I think they believe he, if he doesn't play, and he's not going to play. They're not going to say it, but he's not going to play. They believe they can get enough work done, enough contact done. And if, not, if nothing else, if they think he needs to get hit once, let Bobby Okereke go out there on a on a Wednesday afternoon and just lay the wood to him once, you know, I, and, and then is ready to go. So if what they've done, if they get off to of a good start and they make the playoffs and all that, then this worked. If they don't, if they go to Houston and struggle or, or lose and Jackson, then it didn't work. We'll see, but at least they're trying something different.
0: Joe, I'm surprised that you didn't have a uh, preseason lines for us here. Colts favored, Bills <laughs> favored. We always get that during the regular season. Come on, man, you're slacking.
1: Yeah, I got to be honest that who actually wins the game is not what <laughs> I'll be looking for. Um, it, it'll also be interesting to see how many of the Bills starters play. I think Josh Allen has already come out that he won't be playing at yes, all. correct. Not surprising there. But if the Colts are playing their starters, you'd think it'd kind of be more valuable for them to go against the Bills starters in return. So hopefully um, they get a few reps. Maybe Pryor will get to go up against I don't know, Von Miller or Greg Rousseau, their former first round pick, a few times in this game, just to kind of get them that repetition against the other teams, um, you know, starting players. In terms of a lot, can be decided on the back end of the roster in these preseason games. Maybe two guys are close in camp, and who performs better in the preseason um, is kind of the deciding factor. Are there, are there a few guys that you'll be looking for when it's the fourth quarter to step up and make a play who are trying to make the team?
0: You know who, who's done a lot is JoJo Doman. Like He's around the ball all the time with the second linebacker unit. Like I think that's going to be a good battle between him and Forrest Ryan and my guy Sterling Weatherford, Hamilton Heights' zone, go Huskies. Um, and that's going to be a good battle in there. Uh, I don't know if any of the running backs can really supplant – Either Deion Jackson or Philip Lindsay there in the the three or four spot, any of the other guys, I'd say that's unlikely. Um, Desmond yeah. Patman is likely, I think, to make this roster as the fifth receiver. But uh, does anyone else, like may- maybe it's Kiki Kuti that, that is also there. So, I mean, Desmond Patman could do a lot to solidify himself on this roster with a good performance or two. Um so so that's kind of what I'm looking at those are the positions that I'm looking at that came right off the top of my head I think the backups also if anybody flashes on the defensive line that'd be great because you like especially in the interior a little bit more uh, dynamic play from there Chap what about you
2: well yeah and we haven't talked about it yet and we were talking about it more during camp this week and last week was place kicker you know it, it's, it's, it's hot rod and it's verite they, I was a little surprised today well Frank said they're gonna, it's going to be I asked him. He said, "Well, it's going to be half and half. You know, one guy kicks first half, one guy kicks second half. Maybe they do that all this all dirt in these three games or three games. The problem is, you may not get any chances in your half, and the other guy does. So, I was because I we he, they've only kicked had fifteen kicks each during practice. They're both uh, thirteen or fifteen. Hot Rod kicked a fifty-six yarder today, and and Thunderfoot." pushed it pushed it wide right and I said well they've got to be kicking more like during the walkthroughs and, and all this and he said well yeah but they're really grading these guys more almost not more almost solely on what they do during practice well 15 kicks I mean holy smokes that's not much uh that's why I that's why I'm, I'm sticking with hot rod making this team and because I, I think Verite simply has to be that much better. And I'm not sure how much you can show you're that much better in. Again, they've had 15 – so they'll end up this preseason training camp with, I don't know, maybe 40 kicks to judge. And if one guy really shines in games. But so many people think that Verite is going to unseat him. To me, he's got to be a lot better, a a lot better. And uh, whether they can get that done in preseason games when you're not guaranteed attempts – or the or what I think is limited work, in in practice, uh, we'll see where they go. But let, let's not let's not dismiss kicker. How many times have they lost a game? Nin- 2019 just jumps to mind when you don't have a reliable kicker or a guy that's able to kick reliably. I guess. So I'm I'm kind of watching how these kickers play out.
1: Yeah, I guess another guy that I'm kind of looking for is. Marcel Dabo, the the rookie coming over from Europe, uh, see if he can flash at all. um, That'd be a great sign for someone who's seen as an extremely developmental player. Maybe they give him a chance on kick return, punt return, something like that. I know he did that over in Europe. Maybe he makes a play in the defensive backfield. Um, But, yeah, really roster spots towards the end of the game, seeing how the passing game looks, seeing if any of the rookies can flash. And I'll kind of throw Dio in there as well because he – Didn't really get a lot of chances his rookie year coming back from the Achilles, so he's almost like a rookie in which you're trying to see what he can do now that he's fully healthy.
0: Who do you think is favored in this game between the Colts and the Bills, Joe, according to FanDuel's numbers here?
1: Probably the Colts because Matt Ryan's playing and Josh Allen is not.
0: Indeed. The Colts are one-point favorites. They are minus one there. Uh, Bills plus one. And the over-under is a remarkable 35 it is a uh, – like, I was looking through all these numbers. There isn't an over-under for this week above – or below, above, rather – what is it? 37 and a half is the biggest one. Is so, that? Uh, thirty seven? And,
2: regu- and the regular season isn't it probably 47, 48? Yeah, like, roughly, I, like, yeah, yeah
0: the, the lowest one of the week might be 37 right. and a half in the regular well, season.
2: One thing – let's just do a public service here. And, and, and I, I'm all for gambling. I think it's kind of cool if you, if you can afford it and you can handle it. Just keep in mind. In preseason games, you're going to have, if you bet the Colts, you're going to have Sam Ellinger with his money in your hand in the fourth quarter. (laughs) You're going to have, in every game, it's going to be the third and the fourth quarterback throwing the ball. So, hey, if you've got $100 that you can go out in your front yard and light a match to, knock yourself out. But you're not going to have Matt Ryan leading that fourth quarter comeback.
0: You're going to be begging Forrest Ryan to make a stop on a fourth and one on uh, as the Bills try to go for it at the, the 36-yard line to keep their drive alive. So, yeah, Chap makes a good point. So, uh, be, play responsibly, as they say. If, if play, be... but
2: play, play, but play responsibly. Exactly,
0: correct. if that is your, your, your choice. We do appreciate you listening to this Colts Blue Zone podcast. This time next week, we'll have a game to break down. A little bit more training camp to discuss as well. You can follow us throughout the week at Colts Blue Zone on Twitter. Mike is at mchapel51. You can also follow his work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. I'm Dave Griffiths. So you can follow me at G underscore sports. We appreciate you listening. Colts Bills, if you're in central Indiana, on Fox 59, 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon. And we'll see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.